Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. John chapter 8. Again, keep your Bibles open. I'm going to read verses 31 and 32 to get us started. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. I want to raise the question today, are you as free as you think you are? Are you as free as you think you are? Father, help us today. Help us to share your word. Help us to hear your word. Help us to understand what it is you would have us to which you would have us to live by. Help us to rightly divide your word so that we hear the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin with a question. The question simply is, what does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be free? And a part of what Jesus meant when he talked about freedom in verses 31, 32, is an, an underlying sense of independence. There's an underlying sense, to some extent, of independence. In the Greek world in which Jesus lived, uh, freedom was a big deal, even as it is now. To be free, to be free was a big deal. To understand freedom, it helps us to take a quick glance at slavery. For freedom could be seen as the opposite of slavery. Freedom could be seen as the opposite of bondage. No one, no one controls you. No one dictates your movement. You're free to come and go as you please. For the children of Israel, freedom meant for them freedom to worship whomever they pleased. And yes, many times they abused that freedom. But even in their respective captivities throughout the Old Testament, even now in the New Testament, as they are under Roman oppression, they're still free to worship as they please to some extent. What Jesus was talking about was as we look at other things he says in this chapter, and he said a lot. We believe he means free from the slavery of sin. Freedom from the slavery of sin. Sin being the power of darkness. It is, it is I would say, the worst slave master ever. Sin itself. The worst slave master ever. Ever because 
Slavery can be addictive. Being enslaved to sin can be addictive. And don't sit there like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of us, it took us, it took some of us a long time to come to Jesus. Some of us uh, enjoyed the addiction of sin for a long time. Sin can prove to be the worst slave master ever. It is. It is an addictive type of slavery. It is worse than the most powerful narcotic. Sin is a slavery. Sinners can love and hate that they love it. But in Christ, we have someone who has come to set us free from the power and penalty of sin. Look at what else Jesus says in John 8. Look at verse 34. Verse 34, and um, you know, in the black church, we love, we, we love uh, being emotional. Now, I ain't mad at it. I, I, I want to I have church when I'm at church. But uh, I need your minds for a few minutes this morning. Need your mind. Look at John 8, 34. I tell you the truth. Jesus is speaking here. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Everyone who lives in sin is a slave of sin. Everyone who uh, practices sin, not just slip up every now and then, everyone who lives in sin, Jesus says they do so because they are a slave of sin. Then in verse 36, he says, so if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Free. And everyone is bound by the slave master of sin. No one is exempt. David testified he was born, born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We are told in the New Testament, all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Two things I want to share very quickly, then I'm going to give you three takeaways and we're done. First thing I want to share is sin is a power. It's a power that causes us to disobey God. It's, it can be a power that causes you to, to willfully remain distant from God, out of fellowship with God, living as if there is no God, living as if God cannot dictate how you think, it is a slavery. It is a power that enslaves one. It keeps one in bondage in your mind, in your heart, feeling, uh, uh, willing, uh, having no motivation to please God, having no motivation, no desire to honor God. In fact, sinners who are, in fact, enslaved to sin, in bondage to sin, live as if they are their own God. All of us, before we came to Christ, lived as if we were our own gods. We did what we wanted to do, went where we wanted to go, drank what we wanted to drink, smoked what we wanted to smoke, lived with who we wanted to live, laid up with who we wanted to lay up with, uh, hit who we wanted to hit, cut who we wanted to cut. Sin is a very, it's a power. It, and and uh, when we look at what Jesus talks about in John 8, it is a deceptive power. 
Sin lies to you. Sin lies uh, uh, to, to, to every sinner. Sin makes the sinner believe you're okay. You're all right. You're all right. Do you. You're all right. Even if, even if the sinner has some sense of a God consciousness where they know God is alive and God exists and they may resort to trusting God for a blessing, for a bailout, for, for help when they, when they realize they need it. Uh, but it is a deceptive power even in that to where a, a sinner will live however they want to live until they get in trouble and then may think that they need God to get them out. And once God gets them out, they go right back to living how they were living. I know I'm not the only one in the room who did that. It's a deceptive power. Think you're okay the way you are. No one can judge you. It can make you think you're free when you're really not. It is a deceptive power because, as we're going to see in John 8, it is, it is infused with lies. Sin is, sin, uh, is a power that operates a, a realm that's overseen, over, uh, 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 that's, that's, that's run by the father of lies, the devil himself. Sin is a power, a power from which everyone needs to be made free. Second thing about sin, sin carries a penalty. Sin carries a penalty. The scriptures teach us that the wages of sin is death. Sin kills. Sin results in, in death. Sin, a life in sin, will cause you to see death. An eternal death. Uh, or as the scriptures refer to it, a second death. Where you die and then you die again. And in that death, it, we, we understand it to be an eternal separation from God. Eternal separation from God where you cannot hook back up with God in that death. Am I making sense so far? Uh, sin carries with it a penalty. The wages of sin is death. But not only that, look at it. And what sin does to an individual, look at what sin does in, in, in killing families. Look at what sin does in killing communities, how sin can bring death to nations. And almost anything we could bring up that could, uh, 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 that, that could speak of someone ruining their life, their family, their community, their career, uh, their health even, their, their nation. It, 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 it may have something to do with sin, greed. Lust, uh, wrath, all, all sorts of things, addiction, all sorts of manifestations of sin, or as Paul told the Galatians, fruit of the flesh. And it's one thing to see what sin can do to a person. But when you look at what sin can do to a family, some of us know what it's like to have a family destroyed by sin. Amen. Some of us know what it's like to have uh, a business or a career destroyed by sin, greed, corruption, uh, uh, abuse, sexual abuse, all types of all types of manifestations of sin. We can see what sin can do in destroying a country. Racism, police brutality, uh, inequality in the justice system. There is a power in sin. There is a penalty in sin. 
And so there's the need for freedom to be set free from sin. No one can set themselves free from sin. No one. No one. Everyone is born a sinner and every sinner needs a savior. There's one. Jesus of Nazareth. Three takeaways from this conversation. Three takeaways. The first one, the conversation that's in John 8, the first one is be free from the power and penalty of sin. If you get nothing else from this message, one takeaway, be free from the power and penalty of sin. I would encourage everyone, everyone here, everyone streaming, everyone who may watch this later, be free from the power and penalty of sin. Look at verse 31, John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. Let me deal with that right now. Let me, let me. We've never, Jesus is talking to Jews. In the temple, at, at the treasury. The treasury uh, in, in the temple is a very public place. It's a huge space for the treasury. It's, you may find more people populated in the, in the area of the treasury than anywhere else in the entire temple. So this is a very public place. It's, it's probably an awful lot of people there. And these Jews say to Jesus... We have never been slaves to anyone. These Jews who were enslaved in Egypt told Jesus we've never been enslaved to anyone. These Jews who were taken captive by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians said to Jesus, we have never been enslaved to anyone. These Jews who, as they uttered these words, were under Roman oppression. <laughs> they, had, they had very limited freedom under their Roman oppressor, oppressors and they utter the words, we have never been slaves to anyone. Do any of y'all know what it's like to have conversations with people who have a distorted view of their own history? People who will tell you there's no such thing that's critical race theory. People who will tell you there's no such thing. I'm not going to stay here too long. Don't worry. It's amazing how some people can have a distorted view of their own history. We've never been enslaved. And I tried to see, maybe they don't mean what I think they mean, but I ain't found a scholar yet who could break down the logic or any truth in that statement. We've never been slaves to anyone. Yes, you have. You're a slave now. Oh, just because you ain't got to go pick no cotton, you don't think you're a slave. Now, you're a slave now. Oh, 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 because you think you can live in any subdivision you want. You don't think you're a slave now. You're a slave now. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Verse 34. Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly 
free. Once Jesus sets us free, we are free indeed. We are free indeed. Here, here's, here's what I want to establish uh, now in case I confuse you later. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are immediately, certainly, certainly set free, delivered from the power and penalty of sin. The moment you accept Jesus as, as your Savior, the moment, the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are immediately and certainly, absolutely set free from the power and penalty of sin. Now, what Jesus says in, uh, in, in, in John 8, he, he's talking to an audience who they think they're free. In their minds, they're free spiritually. They're free, uh, uh, they're free to some extent uh, politically, but they're still looking for this political Messiah. But in their minds, they're spiritually free because they point back to their ancestry from Abraham. Abraham being one who was found right with God because of his faith. They, they feel because we're descendants of Abraham, we're, we're all right with God. We're right with God by virtue of our DNA, by virtue of our being descendants of Abraham. So then they have confusion. They're confused as to what is meant by this need for uh, freedom. And, and Jesus is trying to get it established that you need to be free from the power and penalty of sin. Let me establish again. Once you accept Jesus as your savior, once you accept his redemptive uh, work on the cross of, of bleeding, dying as a sacrifice, as the lamb of God to atone for our sins. Once, once you accept him, you are saved. You are, you are set free from the power and penalty of sin. If I had time, I'd take you to Romans chapter 6. Don't have time, but if I did, I'd take you to Romans 6. But how about this week you read Romans chapter 6 where Paul tells the Roman saints, these Romans who had accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, he challenges them. Basically, y'all, y'all need to live like it. You can't claim that you have accepted Jesus and, and you continue to live in sin. He, he would tell the Romans, he would tell all of us today, let not sin have dominion over your mortal body. In other words, don't let sin control your life. You've been set free from his power. You've been set free from the power of sin. All of the ways it can manifest in your life. Paul argued in Romans chapter 6, you've been set free. The moment I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I am free from the power and penalty of sin. In other words, before I come to Jesus, I am under the dominion of the devil, the father of lies. My whole life is a lie. I'm living out a lie. I'm living lies that I've been taught, lies that I have embraced, lies of how I look at people, lies of how I look at situations, lies of how I look at myself, lies of how I look at, in regards to how I look at God and my need for God, lies and how I look at eternity. When, when you're under the, the bondage of slavery, you're under the bondage of, of what Jesus says in John 8, of a murderer and a liar. Everything, everything can be a lie. But when Jesus sets you free, when you accept him as your savior, when you accept him as your Lord, whom the son of God sets free, is free indeed. Once I accept Jesus as my savior, once I accept Jesus as my Lord, by faith, by faith, 
I'm free. I am free from the power and the penalty of sin. So once Jesus set us free, we are free indeed. However, we will always be in need of greater degrees of accuracy of understanding our Heavenly Father's heart. Say that again. You're free from the power and penalty of sin. You, you become a disciple of Jesus, but there will always be a need for greater degrees of accuracy of understanding our Heavenly Father's heart. In John 8, Jesus is having a conversation. It's, it's almost an argument. It's a very tense atmosphere in which he utters the words, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's a very tense atmosphere with people who have, uh, many people who are uh, very antagonistic toward Jesus. They can't stand him. In fact, he will tell them, y'all looking to kill me, right? Uh, he tells them, the reason why y'all treat me the way y'all treat me is because, you're, you're, because of your father. So then they would respond, well, Abraham is our father. No, I'm going to show you this in a minute. No, Abraham's not. Your, the devil is your father, the father of lies. He's the, you have, your father is a liar and he has lied to you. Are y'all with me? So then there's, there's, there's when, when you've walked in that realm, when you've, when you've lived under the dominion of the, of the devil as your father and his lies, I, I, come, I hear the gospel, I hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that he loved me enough to die for me, that the heavenly father sent him to love me enough to die for me, and I come to understand that my heart is convicted by the Holy Ghost. I, I embrace Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord. I receive the new birth, right? I'm born again into the kingdom of God. And so I have a new understanding of a new father. Jesus is father, the, our heavenly father, the creator of the universe now becomes my father. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, how did he begin it? Our father. Who's our who, who's included in the hour? Sinners who have never accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord cannot refer to God as our Father. They ain't born again. But once you're born again, Jesus' Father becomes your Father. You get a new Father. You, you get a new father, a new father who has a different heart. You have a, a new Father who, who, who's full of truth, who can't lie. Wish I had some help. You, you have a new father who cannot lie. So when he tells you that he loves you, remember, he cannot lie. When he tells you that you can spend eternity with him, remember, he cannot lie. When he tells you that he'll forgive you and wash your sins away and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, remember, your new father, our heavenly father, the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, cannot lie. When he says he'll keep you, remember, he'll, he'll never lie. When he says he'll heal you, remember, he cannot lie. Remember, when he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember, he cannot lie. He cannot lie. He, can, he, cannot, he cannot lie. 
So we come to him because there's something happens in our spirit, something that's deeper than our intellect, something that's deeper than our mind, something happens in our spirit, something happens deep down uh, in the crevices of our soul when we hear the gospel and we, and we respond, we're convicted of our sins, we're, we, we come to realize through a supernatural prompting, a supernatural conviction, I'm headed in the wrong direction, I'm, I'm living a lie, I, I need to be saved from my sins, there's something that happens, something shifts radically in, in your being, in your understanding to where you don't only just mentally acquiesce to something that you've heard, you literally become a new creature. All things are passed away. New things have come. But as I, as I continue to live in this freedom, there's a need for greater degrees of accuracy of understanding our Father's heart. So the first takeaway again, be free from the power and penalty of sin. The only way you can be delivered from that power is by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can't, you can't tie your way out. You can't give a donation big enough to get out. You can't, you can't sing enough songs in a choir to be out. You can't, you can't attend Sunday school five times and, and be delivered. You accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and you are immediately and certainly delivered from the power and penalty of sin. That's the first takeaway. The second one, the second takeaway I want you to have today is be free to live as a truth living truth-telling follower of Jesus. Be free to live as a, as a truth-living, truth-telling follower of Jesus. Very quickly, look at verse 31. Verse 31, Jesus said, Jesus said to the people who, believe, who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful. To my teachings. You are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you remain faithful, if you don't, if you don't quit, if you don't abandon what I've been teaching you, if you don't abandon this way of life, if, if you don't get so discouraged where you just quit trying to live as a follower of Jesus, you, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. So let me encourage everyone who has Accept that Jesus as Savior and Lord. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus, remain faithful. Remain faithful. And of course, in my mind, I'm asking, why did Jesus even bring up this notion of remaining faithful? What could challenge their faithfulness? What, what could make them pull away from following Jesus? What could make them change their mind and follow Jesus no more? Well, uh, if, we, if, we, if we take a glance at the future... Uh, of the church in, in the book of Acts, the future from, from this conversation Jesus is having, we know that they were heavily persecuted. People were losing their lives. In fact, Jesus speaking to his believers, he will be crucified. He will be, he will be uh, executed as a criminal. Then in the book of Acts, Peter and John are going to be preaching. They're threatened. If y'all keep on preaching Jesus, uh, you, you're going to be killed too. They knew that they were literally risking their lives Preaching this truth, living this truth, preaching this truth. There, 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 are, there are some threats to 
everyone's faithfulness and, and and let me pause here to tell everybody in here who's going through everyone in here who's going through a storm a part of the reason why you why you're going through the storm you're going through the devil the devil is trying to attack your faithfulness the devil would love to see where you just give up on Jesus where you just give up on following him give up on trying to handle situations his way the devil would love it if you would be an ex disciple the devil would love it if you'd be an ex follower of Jesus the devil the devil would love it if you would just be done and be through with Jesus and the Bible and the church and church folk the devil would love it if you would just abandon Christ because it just it costs too much it's, it costs too much pain it costs too much anguish it costs too much too much too much worry too much anxiety it it just costs too, it ain't worth it maybe maybe you wondered if it was worth it trying to live the way God would have you to live trying to handle it the way God would have you to handle it maybe you wondered if it was worth it trying to forgive because that's what Jesus taught you maybe you wondered if it, if it was worth it trying trying to trying to move past what the devil has done to attack you because that's what Jesus has taught you to do to to endure your your persecution endure your suffering and your sorrow but but let me pause here to tell somebody it's worth it it's worth it remain faithful remain faithful stick with Jesus stick with his word stick with his truth stick stick with what he said stick with what he promised stick with what he lived in an example stick with what he commanded stick with Jesus be free to live as a truth living truth telling follower of Jesus the reason why I, I say truth living and truth telling follower of Jesus is because you don't want to be saying one thing with your mouth but saying something else with your life if you if you're going to talk about it you need to be living about it if, you, if you're going to talk about it you need to be about it if if, if you're talking about if, if you're talking about the word be about the word if you talking about the scriptures be about the scriptures if you're talking about the kingdom be about the kingdom don't we have enough people who talking about the kingdom out their mouth but their life is saying something totally different and for some people your life is louder than your mouth don't let your life be louder than your mouth be listen if you're going to be about the kingdom be about the kingdom remain faithful and the person sitting near you may not ever tell you that it gets challenging sometimes let me let let pastor clark tell you it gets challenging sometimes gets challenging and i'm not talking about just just an incident isolated incident every now and then i'm talking about when when you're going through something for a while and you're ready to write jesus a resignation letter i hereby hitherto forthwith being a sound mind, some would question that. Turn in my resignation paper, not just as pastor, not just as a preacher. I'm through trying to live this life. But praise God for the Holy Ghost. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know that it ain't, it's not a matter of willpower? Praise God for the Holy Ghost. How many of you know it takes more than a made-up mind? It takes more than willpower. It takes more than just internal fortitude. You can't live this life unless the spirit of the living God every now and then revives your inner man. Every I ain't talking about when you've been to church for three nights. I'm not talking about when you've been to church for a five-night revival. I'm, I'm talking about when you've been praying and God steps into your prayer closet. I'm talking about when you're praising him and ain't nobody else around. And God, the spirit of God inhabits your personal private praises and renews your strength they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and God can do it for you so you can remain faithful 
remain. I wonder how many of y'all sitting near somebody who almost quit. I wonder how many of y'all sitting near somebody, sitting in front of somebody, sitting behind somebody who almost gave up. I wonder how many of y'all streaming know what it's like to come to the place where you're about to just give up. But God stepped in. Strengthened you and uh, according to the conversation Jesus is having in John 8 he stepped in and gave you a word anybody ever felt like you were about to give up but God gave you a word you you couldn't see a brighter day until God gave you a word you couldn't see your way out until God gave you a word Jesus says if you remain in my teaching if you if you if you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to what I've taught you and keep in mind, y'all, he's talking to folk who have no Bibles. They, they don't have any Bibles. They can't just leave this conversation in the temple. So I'm going to go home and look that up in the Word. They don't have any Bibles. They, they can't just grab their phone and go home and say, let me, let me Google that, what Jesus was talking about. They don't have Bibles. They don't. And Jesus, how long he would be in that temple teaching them? Uh, it, it couldn't have been too long of a period of time. So when, when you look at limited exposure to the teachings and the only way to get, to get constant exposure to the teachings of Jesus, they would have to either sit at his feet or hang around other folk who sat at his feet and could relate to them what they heard when Jesus was teaching by the seashore and what they heard when Jesus was teaching on the mountainside when somebody else may have heard what Jesus was teaching when he was, when he was in the temple. And, and we put it all together and they would have to remember and meditate on Jesus' teachings. And here we are now with the word of God. With Bibles and, and podcasts and videos and Bibles all over the house. Bible all over the car. Bibles that got all kind of dust on them. And you wonder why you're, why you're struggling so. Could be because we're not getting enough word. Maybe if you spent more time in his teachings it can help you to remain faithful. Be free to live. And it requires, this, this can't be done without freedom. I'm free to live holy. I'm free to follow Christ. It, you, you, can't, you cannot be free to follow Jesus. You cannot be free to live him if you're too afraid of what other folk going to say. If you're too afraid of how other folk going to judge you. If you're too afraid of how other folk may not want to, may not want to be around you anymore. Because you got a made up mind to live according to what Jesus taught you. And as I shared a couple weeks ago, everybody has a teacher. Everybody has a teacher. All of us are living according to something we've been taught, even if we concocted it ourselves and taught it ourselves. Be free to live. Jesus says, I can set you free to live as a truth living, truth telling follower of Jesus. I recognize I didn't cover that as much as I should, but let me move on to number three, because this is this is the part that has troubled me this third takeaway is what perplexed me this third takeaway be free to embrace God commissioned truth tellers he sends to you be free to embrace God commissioned truth tellers he sends to you amen be free and this takes a freedom a freedom to embrace god commissioned truth tellers he sends to you 
When I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I have an understanding of Jesus being the Son of God, dying for me to save me from my sins. I embrace him as my Savior and my Lord. The Spirit of God helps me understand that. The Spirit of God helps that to really make sense to me. And, and, and when I embrace Jesus as my Savior and Lord, I don't just mentally uh, accept him. Something happens in my spirit where, as Jesus described in John chapter 3, I'm born again. I'm changed. As Paul told the Corinthians, I literally become a new creation. Old things pass away and new things come. But it, it, it can be in, in infancy form. It's something who I become in that moment, I become someone who must be developed. As I continue to live as a truth-living, truth-telling follower of Jesus, I, I am expected to mature as one who is living and telling the truth. But I can't do it by myself. God raises up, God commissions people who, who, who are committed to telling his truth, not, not their truth on all of that. His truth, the truth. And he sends them into our lives to help us so that as we live, as we speak, as we, as we embrace our, our principles, our convictions, our values, they are more aligned with the heart of God. But throughout history, throughout the scriptures and throughout history, people have missed it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Go to John 8 and 1. Give me a few minutes and we're going to be done. Here's where it gets tricky for me. I don't want to. I don't want to live a lie. I don't want part of my life to be rooted and grounded in lies. Because I have not embraced greater degrees of accuracy of the heart of God. When Jesus uttered the words, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, as we examine this on this Independence Day. That's one holiday. The bigger holiday is that it's Pastor Clark's birthday Eve. That's the real holiday, in case you didn't know. As we talk about independence and freedom, Jesus talks about freedom, but what is it? Are you as free as you think you are? This conversation, these words, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, uh, are uttered in a very tense atmosphere. This, these aren't just random words he utters on a mountainside. He, he's having a conversation. And he's having a conversation with Jews. Not just any Jews. He's having a conversation with Jews who think they got it right. They think that, that, that their relationship with God is right. They think that, that what they understand about God and what God loves, who God loves, who God will use, they think they got it right. And they're wrong. This happened in the scriptures. This happened in Jesus' day. This happened with the apostles. This happened since then. This happens. This happens with people who have not embraced Jesus in the Bible, but it has also happened in history with people who have accepted Jesus. You, if, you, if you're free indeed, if you've been set free indeed by Jesus, you are free to embrace, receive people that God has commissioned to come into your life and tell you the truth and help you better understand understand the truth that comes from the heart of God John 8 and 1 Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives the next day or back again at the temple 
He's at the temple. A crowd is gathered, sat down. He taught them as he was speaking. And we've heard this story. But I never looked at it. I never looked at this story in terms of the scene in which it happened. This is crazy. As he was speaking, my man is preaching. Jesus is preaching at the temple, at the church. Verse 3, as he was speaking, not afterward. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, preachers, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. If they put her in front of the crowd, these are men, men of God, you expect they know the scriptures. They teach the scriptures. But look at what they're doing. While Jesus is, you want to do this while the word of God is going, you so upset over a woman caught in adultery, you got to bring her to Jesus while he's teaching in the temple. That's like me standing here preaching right now and, and some ushers or some deacons or some preachers coming here with some woman. We, we caught her. We caught her doing it. First of all, how'd y'all catch her? That's the first thing. Who'd you catch her with? Where is he? That's the second thing. Or in this day and time, where, where are they? We don't know who could be a he or a she. Depends on their pronouns, I guess. But, but now, you got to shame this woman now. But it wasn't just trying to shame the woman. They're trying to trap Jesus. They went and got this woman with the mindset, we're going to get him now. Can't stand us. Can't stand. They could not stand Jesus, the one God commissioned to come and tell them the truth because they needed some adjustments. They needed, they needed more accuracy in understanding the heart of God. They couldn't see it. They knew so much scripture, you couldn't teach them anything new. You couldn't challenge them to, 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 to challenge them to reconsider. You, you know the scriptures, but do you really understand the heart of God? If you did, how could you do something like this? So it's bad enough they're doing this for the woman, doing this to the woman, but they're trying to trap Jesus. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What you say? Let's see if you're going to line up with the word of God. Let's, let's see, because we know the word. We believe the word. We, we write because we know the word. We in the word. Haven't y'all heard some church folks say, we in the word. I don't know what he in. We don't know what she teaching. We in the word. I know what the word. I'm just going to do what the word say do. I'm just going to do. I'm just going to do what the word say do. And sometimes we could be so hung up on knowing the scriptures and we don't know God. The, the, the end game to knowing the scriptures is not to have a bunch of scriptures and verses memorized. It's that your life, you look like God. You talk like God. You react like God. You treat folk like God would treat them. We got him now. Verse, five, verse, verse 6 tells it all. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. They were trying to trap him. That's, that's what you do? You, you got that much scripture in you? Well, all you want to do is go around trying to trap folk. You trap folk, they tra trap preachers you don't like. All, all, all that you want to do with your time and your energy is go and expose preachers who ain't real. 
You, you can't, you, all that scripture you have, all that scripture you studied, all that scripture you taught, and you can't recognize when God has commissioned someone and sent them into your life to help you and bless you so that you better understand the scriptures and, and you better understand the heart of God. I don't want to miss it. They missed it. And that ain't the end. That's not the end. Keep, keep going. John 8, John 8. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast forward down to, tell you what, let's fast forward to verse 21. Verse 21. Later, Jesus said to them again, I'm going away. You will search for me, but you will die in your sin. You cannot come where I'm going. The people ask, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean? You cannot come where I'm going. Jesus continued, you are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am, that's that classic, I am. <laughs> I am the bread of life. I am. I am the resurrection. I am who I claim to be. You will die in your sins. Who are you? Who are you? They demanded. Jesus replied, I'm the one I have always claimed to be. I'm that, I'm that dude. <laughs> I'm the one I told you I was. I think somebody needs to hear that today. Jesus is who he told who he told you he was. He is the savior of the world. He is the son of the living God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is bread when you're hungry. He is water when you're thirsty. He is a healer in your sick room. He is a lawyer in your courtroom. He is a mind regulator. He is a broken heart fixer. He, he is who he said he is. Verse 26, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only, listen, I want us to look at Jesus in this instance as a God-commissioned, God-ordained truth-teller. God-ordained, God-commissioned truth-teller that everyone needs to hear so that we don't live out a lie so that we don't condemn folk that God ain't condemning. So that we don't write off as truth something that God is saying, no, that's true, that's my heart. That's, that's how I really feel about that situation. That's how I really feel about that issue. That's how I really feel about that person. Those people can't afford to miss it. Uh, Verse 25, who are you? They demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you, much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only, for I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me. And he is completely truthful. He can't lie. This, this is to be something all of us aspire to, 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 to live out. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me. And he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand what he was, that he was talking about the father. Verse 28, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. Another I am saying, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me. Somebody needs to declare that in your own life. The one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say, say these things believed in him. They were converted. They embraced him as the son of God. Verse 31. 
Verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful. Not caught up in an in, 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 in emotional, euphoric state where you're so, you're, you're in this emotional high and you, and you decide to, you know, you make this decision. No, if you remain faithful to my teachings, you will come to know the truth. You will come to better understand the truth. And as you come to better know the truth, as you come to better understand the truth, the truth will set you free. Remaining in my teachings, remaining to what I've said, remaining in what I've done, continual exposure to what I've said, what I've, how I've lived. You will come to know the truth. The truth will set you free. Set you free from what? Set you free from lies. Set you free from doing what these folk are doing. Trying to entrap folk that God has sent to bless you. Trying, it'll set you free from condemning folk that God has commissioned into your life to bless you. I, I, I want to be free from that. I don't want to be, listen, I don't want to be in bondage to where I'm pushing people away that God is pushing into my life. Amen. Verse 33. But we are descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll, you will be set free? I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. If the son, if God in the flesh, if God through his word, through his son sets you free, sets you free from the father of lies, you are truly free. Verse 37. Yes, I realize Jesus says to them, I recognize you are descendants of Abraham. And yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. You think you're right with God, but you, you don't want to hear what I have to say. Jesus, Jesus is talking to people who thought they were right with God. And he says to them, yeah, you are descendants of Abraham. But look at, look at, look at how you're treating what God is trying to put in your life to bless you. I am telling you what I saw. Verse 38. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father. But you are following the advice of your father. Verse 39. Our father is Abraham. They declared. No. No. Jesus replied. For if you were really the children of Abraham. You would follow his example. Instead. You are trying to kill me. Because I told you the truth. Listen to that. Listen, listen to the son of the living God. The, this truth teller from Nazareth. I'm telling you the truth and you're trying to kill me. I'm giving you what comes directly from the heart of God and you are trying to kill me. You think you're so right with God. Watch this, y'all. You think you're so right with God. You think because of your DNA, you think because of your knowledge of the scriptures, you're so right with God, but, but your being right with God does nothing to all that hostility you have toward me. You love God, but you're so hostile. How can any of us claim to love God, but yet live with such hostility? Hostility towards, hostility towards someone because they don't, they don't, the, the packaging ain't right. They didn't like Jesus. The packaging wasn't right. Ain't no way God could be using him. Ain't no way God could be endorsing him. There's no way he could be sent from God. Not him. Can't stand him. They're so hostile toward Jesus, they are literally ready to kill him. You ever hear some people talk about they were about to slap somebody? They weren't going to slap them. You know they weren't going to slap them. 
Child, I like to I almost forgot I was saved. No, you, 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 you ain't gonna slap nobody. They were literally trying to kill Jesus. Hostile crowd. Oh, but they know God. To know God is to recognize when God is sending someone into your life to speak his truth into your heart so that so that your life becomes more more of a reflection of who God is. All of us need that. All I don't care how much scripture you have memorized. I don't care how much sermons you've preached how many bible study lessons Sunday school lessons you've taught I don't care how many small groups you've led all of us all of us are in continual need of of God sent persons to come into our lives to help us so that so that we make the necessary adjustments in our perspectives and our lifestyles so that if nothing else we're treating the, the the people that God brings into our lives the way God would have us to treat them and God will bring people into your life so that you can better understand his heart. Verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there's no truth in him when he lies. It is consistent with his character. He is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you, this 46th verse, oh my God. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? Now that's a powerful question. I'm almost done. Let me get y'all out of here. That's a powerful question. Which of you can truthfully accuse me? I know, I know y'all can accuse me of sin. Right. Jesus would say to them, I know y'all can accuse me of sin, but which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? Because if he would have asked which of you can accuse me of sin, a bunch of hands would have gone up. You've done miracles on the Sabbath day. That ain't right. You, you healed a, withered, a man's withered hand on the Sabbath day. That ain't right. And uh, what's this I hear about you and your nasty disciples eating with unwashed hands? What, what's that all? About? Is that what we're doing now? They, they could have accused him, watch this, of what they understood to be sin. Jesus. They, they could have accused him of what they understood to be sin because of what they were taught was sin when God was saying, that ain't sin. You can do miracles on the Sabbath, that's not sin. I mean, eating with unwashed hands ain't the most sanitary thing to do, but it ain't sin. And what all of us have to be careful of is that we, we go too far with applying the scriptures and, and the application of the scriptures where we end up putting people in bondage rather than setting them free. So then the problem that sometimes we can have with people is not that they committed sin, they violated with what we understood to be sin. If I'm not making sense, come back next Sunday. I might, I don't know, after this, I might need five or six weeks off but verse 46 which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin and since I am telling you the truth why don't you believe me I wonder how many of us have people in our lives that God put in your life to tell you the truth from his heart but we don't believe them 
because it goes against everything we've been taught. It goes against what we understand in the scriptures. That's why I'm telling you to, to walk in this freedom that Jesus gives for us is, is a continual, uh, progressive walk of, of receiving his teachings and getting greater degrees of accuracy of the heart of God. So that we ain't saying that, 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 that something is a sin that God doesn't even have a problem with. And that we're not writing off people that God is using. Verse 47, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Now this 48th verse right here. This 48th verse. The people retorted, you Samaritan devil. Now that's low down. That's not, not just a devil. You Samaritan devil. That's, I mean, it's one thing for somebody to say, yo mama. But when they say, yo greasy, nasty mama. Now that's... That's when you pull the 45 out the purse. That's when, that's when you run to the truck and get the shotgun. Yo, nasty, greasy, heifer mama. That's when you're going way. You Samaritan devil. I'm surprised the Bible doesn't say, and Jesus reached in his cloak. <laughs> Till Peter said, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, Lord. Not here. You Samaritan devil. Didn't, and look, look at this. Didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? They've been talking like this about Jesus for a while. I've been telling y'all. Told y'all. Told y'all. In the barbershop. You see, that's why I would tell them in the barbershop. Ain't nothing to that Jesus. He ain't no good. He ain't real. Samaritan devil. He possessed with a demon. Verse 49. No, I have no demon in me. For I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I wish, though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Why? Because we've been delivered. We've been set free from the power and penalty of sin. Penalty of sin is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. Anyone, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. You will live forever in the presence of God. Real quick, Ephesians 4 and I'm done. Ephesians 4 and I'm done. I am challenging all of us, Ephesians 4. I'm challenging all of us to be students of the word of God. Students of the word of God who won't hold to our understanding of the word so tightly where you can't hear the words of those God sends into your life to help you better understand his heart. And sometimes they may be people we don't like. Sometimes the packaging ain't going to be right. Sometimes their doctrine is going to ruffle our feathers. And this happened not only in Jesus' day, not only did it happen in the book of Acts, it happened in the Reformation. I told y'all, you know, you know one reason why we're not Catholic? You know one reason why we're not Catholic? One reason why we are not Catholic is because some courageous truth tellers looked into the scriptures and realized what had been taught, especially about justification, how to get right with God, was inaccurate. And they had the audacity, men like uh, uh, Martin Luther, men like uh, John Huss, men like uh, uh, Zwingli, I can't remember his first name, but men, th these reformers, and there were so many who looked into the scriptures 
Because everybody in that day, they were talking about the 1500s. Everybody didn't have a copy of the scriptures. And I shared with y'all just a couple of weeks ago how uh, William Tyndall uh, sought to make copies of the Bible so that every believer could have a copy of the Bible in their hand. The church got so upset. They literally had him killed. They went looking for him. The man had to literally run for his life simply because he wanted to put the word of God in the hands of every disciple of Jesus. People who claim to follow Jesus did that to him. Caught up with him. Tell you what they did to him. I already told you a couple of weeks ago. Tell you they took him, tied his hands to a wooden stake and set him on fire. Set him on fire. They suffocated him first. They, well, we ain't going to be that cruel. Let's suffocate him first. Then we'll set him on fire. And then other men who came to, to teach doctrines that you and I embrace, preached, Teach and dare somebody to teach us anything different. Literally lost their lives teaching what you and I so readily embrace as doctrine today. They were killed by men who followed Jesus. So when Jesus says, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. But when I look in history, I see some men who handled the scriptures and, and look at how they treated other men that God raised up. Oh, we could easily write them off and say they wasn't following Christ if they did that to another man. They, they were following the devil. Ephesians 4. I don't want to miss it. Ephesians 4, I'm going to jump into verse 11 and we're done. Jonathan, just give me a little something, something's off. I'm done. I'm done confusing the peoples of God. Ephesians 4, 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, for the repairing of people for the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here's what I really want you to get, verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. In other words, you, you can't just readily embrace any and everything you hear. There are some wolves in sheep clothing who, whose agenda is to deceive the people of God. So somehow we must cautiously follow Jesus, cautiously remain faithful to his teaching, cautiously, prayerfully remain faithful to his teaching, but not hold such a tight grip where we're condemning people that God has commissioned. We can't hold to it with such a tight grip where we can't receive anything that God is saying now so that we, we have a better understanding of his word and therefore a better understanding of his heart and we are loving those that he raised up to speak his truth into our lives so that we can be better demonstrations of his truth in the earth. It's challenging. It's not easy. So what do we do? Finally, 
be, be a prayerful. Do, do all of this with prayer. Do, do all of this with prayer. Pray, Father, teach me. You, you be my teacher. Father, you teach me your heart. Father, you teach me your word. Your word. Not, not the Baptist word. Not the Pentecostal word. Not the Episcopalian word. Teach. You teach me your word. As I look into the scriptures, you teach me your word when I mess up you teach me your word in my conversations father you teach maybe maybe if we prayed as we study maybe if we prayed before we came to the to the house of God maybe if we prayed when we were going through maybe when we if we prayed when we would hear things that contradicted whatever else we'd been taught maybe God would show us what reflects his heart and what does not but I'm telling you history is replete with people who have missed it who have missed God, who have missed opportunities to become more of a reflection of the heart of God, a greater, more accurate reflection of the heart of God. And in this season, we cannot afford to do that when our children, so many, too many of our children are embracing the lies of the enemy, when it's too many of our young people who are being taught by the prince of darkness, when it's too many of our young people being taught the principles of the, of the kingdom of darkness, we cannot afford to miss God we cannot afford to, to teach and preach an inaccurate doctrine we cannot we can't afford to teach what to, to, to teach something that's that's good that God has said is that God says is bad we can't afford to teach something that's bad that God says is good we must prayerfully cautiously remain faithful to what Jesus has taught us but remain open remain open to those God commissioned voices but not so much where we're tossed to and fro believing any and everything and end up being pulled away from God a lot of what we embrace today there were men studied men prayerful men who labeled what we embrace today as heresy and lies and we believe it we believe it's based on the scriptures we believe it reflects the heart of God we believe for example again in the doctrine of justification justification is simply how do you get justified in the eyes of God how you can be guilty of sin but when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you're set free from the power and penalty of sin and therefore you're justified you're declared innocent you're declared innocent we I see some of you nodding your heads we embrace that we preach that we teach that it's in our church constitution that we believe that at one point in time that was declared to be heresy and you could be killed for preaching that praise God for courageous courageous commissioned truth tellers let's do that be a courageous God commissioned truth teller live it tell it be open to other voices that God has raised up to help us adjust so that we rightly divide the word of God and day by day more accurately re reveal or live out the heart of God would you stand with me, please? Stand with me. I'm going to try to open. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.